As we continue in this sermon series about service, our scripture this morning is Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Hear now God's word. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that this morning as we reflect on these few verses, that you would speak to us that my words would be your words, and that we will experience you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Araminta Ross, or as she was called by her parents, Minty, was born in the early 1820s. The exact date is unknown. She was born the daughter of two slaves, and so was therefore born a slave herself. And she had a rough life. Around the age of 10, little Minty got caught in the crossfire between an owner and one of their slaves. This slave had tried to escape and the owner had caught him and threw a two-pound weight at him, but missed and hit little Minty in the head. The rest of her life, she suffered from extreme headaches and really vivid dreams that she said were visions from God. But Minty grew up to be a really courageous woman. Sometime in her 20s, her owner died, and she was unsure about what would happen to her and her family. And so Minty gathered her two brothers, and they made an attempt to escape. When a $300 reward was posted for them, her two brothers turned back out of fear and went back to a life of slavery. But Minty decided that her freedom was worth the chance. And so she made a near 90-mile journey for freedom. And when she crossed that line to freedom, she said this, When I found I had crossed that line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the clouds and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. She felt like she was a different person because of this new freedom that she was experiencing. The Christian hope of Easter is precisely 
that we have been given freedom. It is precisely that Christ has defeated the kingdom of sin and death. The reign of sin and death had been defeated. And that through Christ's death and resurrection, we can be transferred into a new kingdom. From the kingdom of sin and death, to the kingdom of heaven. The New Testament talks about this as a reality to be experienced in life, not just in death. That in Christ we are transferred into this new kingdom, this freedom. We too should look at our hands to find that we have been made new. In Galatians, Paul is writing to a church that has experienced this freedom and accepted this freedom in Christ. In in the very beginning, in his introduction to his letter, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins, hear this part, to set us free. This is the gospel, that Christ gave himself for our sins to set us free. And then Paul says what we have been set free from, to set us free from the present evil age. This is the language that Paul uses throughout the New Testament to talk about the kingdom, the reign of sin and death. He talks about them as powers present evil age. But the Galatians have experienced a freedom from the reign of sin and death of the present evil age. But then Paul goes on in verse 6 to say this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So the Christians in Galatia, this this Galatian church, has received the gospel. They've experienced this freedom, yet in some sense they are turning back. They've been transferred from the reign of sin and death into a new kingdom, yet they long to go back to the old kingdom for some reason. This is reminiscent of the Old Testament Israelites God saved them from slavery in Egypt. And then immediately after that in the desert, when they get a little bit hungry, they start whining and saying, at least we had food in Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Paul is saying what the Galatians are doing is like that. They are giving up the gospel to go back to something old. Something that is like slavery. Throughout the the letter of, of Galatians, Paul explains more what he means by that. There were false teachers that had come to the church in Galatia and said, you have to follow the law. The law is what will save you. 
Now, now Paul will end up being very clear that he still values the Old Testament. That's clear in his writings. He still values the law. But he's saying the law will not set you free. From the very beginning of the letter, he says it is Christ that sets us free. And if you're going back to living under the law, you're giving up that freedom. And that's exactly what these false teachers are teaching to the Christians, the Galatian Christians. And so after rejecting that, we come to chapter 5 of Galatians, where Paul starts off that chapter by saying, For freedom, Christ has set us free. It's kind of circular. Christ has set us free for freedom, to live lives that are free. Not so that we can go back to slavery. So Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You have been transferred into this new kingdom of freedom. Don't go back. Don't do that. But then we get a little bit of a paradox in the rest of chapter 5. Because after Paul says, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, down in verse 13 that we read just a moment ago, he says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. So in one moment, Paul says, for freedom you've been set free, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And then the next minute, he says, become slaves to one another. Now, no one could blame Minty if after coming to freedom, she spent the rest of her life serving no one but herself. No one could blame her if that's what she did. But Minty's story is amazing, not only because she acquired freedom, but because of what she chose to do with her freedom. You see, Minty, when she grew up, took on a new name. She got married and took on the last name Tubman. And she began to go by her mother's name, Harriet. And Harriet Tubman went on to be one of the greatest American heroes we've ever had. Because with her freedom, she chose to go back where she had come from. She chose to go back and rescue her brothers who had turned back and submitted again to the yoke of slavery. And she kept going back and bringing more and more people to freedom. Her story is amazing because when she acquired freedom and she looked at her hands and saw that she was a free woman, she decided to use them for good. When we become free in Christ... Galatians chapter 5 calls us to look at our hands and not only ask, 
Who am I now that I am free? But what will I do with these hands? And Harriet Tubman is an amazing example of a woman who used freedom to serve others. Paul says very clearly in these verses that we're focusing on this morning that freedom can be used in different ways. And he contrasts them with each other, really throughout the rest of chapter 5. But especially here in verse 13 through 15. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. This word that the NRSV translates as self-indulgence is a really confusing Greek word. It's the word sarks, which literally translated means flesh. And Paul uses it throughout all of his letters to talk not only about the physical body, but about the sinful nature of humanity. And so Paul says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He goes on throughout the rest of the chapter to explain what he means by that. In verse 16, he says, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. That same word that earlier is translated as self-indulgence. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. You see, in most contexts, the definition of freedom is something like this. The power or right to speak, act, or think as you want. That's very similar to what Scott said to the kids just a minute ago. The power or the right to speak, act, or think as you want. Without any sort of hindrance to doing those things. In most contexts, this is the definition of freedom. But what if, what if it's precisely what we want to think, act, and speak that is holding us in bondage? That's what Paul is talking about with the sinful nature or the sarks or the flesh. That our our desires are corrupted. That we live in bondage to the flesh. And it's Paul's message, it's the gospel that he proclaims that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ sets us free from living to please the sinful nature, the sarks or the flesh. And Paul says that this is what we have been set free from. And so when he says, you are called to freedom, brother and sisters, he has to clarify it by saying, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence or to satisfy the flesh. There's a different type of freedom that Christians are called to. And that's laid out in this next clause. Right after he says that, he says, but... In contrast 
to, desire, to, to, to satisfying the flesh, the contrast to that is through love, become slaves to one another. Now, when we hear talk about slavery, it's only natural that we think of it in terms of one person or entity having power over another person or entity. But that's not the type of slavery Paul is talking about. Because listen to how he describes it. Through love, become slaves to one another. It's a mutual self-giving. It's a mutual slavery. That sounds nothing like the slavery that we think of. It sounds nothing like the slavery that Minty experienced as a child. But Paul says that the whole law, the whole thing that you're trying to go back to, to the Galatians, because that's what they're being tempted by, is going back to living under the law. Paul says all of that can be summed up in a single commandment. And this commandment is a quotation from Leviticus 19 and Mark 12, and Jesus quotes it from the Old Testament. It runs throughout Scripture. That commandment is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what this mutual self-giving or this slavery that we submit to looks like. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Conflict arises, doesn't it? That's why we need, each time we come to the Lord's table, to have a passing of the peace. Because there's bound to be conflict even within the family of God and the body of Christ. There's bound to be conflict. And Paul closes out this little section by being a little bit of a realist, I think. He says, if, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. He's using language of two beasts that come together and they, they begin to attack one another. And uses that as a metaphor for the church. And I imagine Paul weeping as he writes that. Because the desire is that the church will not attack each other. That we will not bite and devour one another. But instead, we will live into the freedom that we are given through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, this bondage that, that Paul is talking about throughout all of his letters is a bondage of our wants, our desires. But the freedom that he preaches is a freedom from that. It's a kingdom transfer from the reign of sin and death to the reign of the Spirit. See, after he talks about living by the Spirit and what the desires of the flesh are, he has a list of these desires of the flesh, and you can find that in Galatians chapter 5. But right after this list, there's another list, one that many of us might be familiar with. He says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit, the byproduct of the indwelling of the Spirit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And listen to this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, the message of the cross is that the flesh was literally crucified. The physical flesh was crucified. And that Christ has done that for us. And he has given us the freedom to live with a different reality in a different kingdom. One that is not reigned by sin and death, but it is reigned by the Spirit. This gospel that Paul proclaims is a kingdom transfer that means living by the Spirit and not the flesh. And so I close with this question. You have been set free. Look at your hands. You are free. Now, how are we going to use that freedom? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the freedom that is offered to us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we continue this celebration of Easter, and as we continue talking about lives of service, God, we thank you for the freedom that you give us. But we ask you for the courage to use that freedom to serve one another. And that your Holy Spirit will be working in us to produce these fruits of the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come do a work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.